Chapter 2 And so, at dawn, that day in the first week of August, May Tuck woke up and lay for a while beaming at the cobwebs on the ceiling. At last, she said aloud, The boys'll be home tomorrow. May's husband, on his back beside her, did not stir. He was still asleep, and the melancholy creases that folded his daytime face were smoothed and slack. He snored gently, and for a moment the corners of his mouth turned upward in a smile. Tuck almost never smiled, except in sleep. May sat up in bed and looked at him tolerantly. "'The boys will be home tomorrow,' she said again, a little more loudly. Tuck twitched, and his smile vanished. He opened his eyes. "'Why do you have to wake me up?' he sighed. "'I was having that dream again, the good one where we're all in heaven and never heard of Tree Gap.' May sat there, frowning, a great potato of a woman with a round, sensible face and calm brown eyes. "'It's no use having that dream,' she said. "'Nothing's going to change.' "'You tell me that every day,' said Tuck, turning away from her onto his side. "'Anyways, I can't help what I dream.' "'Maybe not,' said May. "'But all the same, you should have got used to things by now.' Tuck groaned. "'I'm going back to sleep,' he said. "'Not me,' said May. "'I'm going to take the horse and go down to the wood to meet them.' "'Me too.' "'The boys, Tuck, our sons. I'm going to ride down to meet them.' "'Better not do that,' said Tuck. "'I know,' said May. "'But I just can't wait to see them. "'Anyways, it's ten years since I went to Tree Gap. "'No one will remember me. "'I'll ride in at sunset, just to the wood. "'I won't go into the village. "'But even if someone did see me, they won't remember.' They never did before now, did they? Suit yourself, then, said Tuck into his pillow. I'm going back to sleep. May Tuck climbed out of bed and began to dress. Three petticoats, a rusty brown skirt with one enormous pocket, an old cotton jacket, and a knitted shawl which she pinned across her bosom with a tarnished metal brooch. The sounds of her dressing were so familiar to Tuck that he could say, without opening his eyes, You don't need that shawl in the middle of the summer. May ignored this observation. Instead, she said, "'Will you be all right? We won't get back till late tomorrow.' Tuck rolled over and made a rueful face at her. "'What in the world could possibly happen to me?' "'That's so,' said May. "'I keep forgetting.' "'I don't,' said Tuck. "'Have a nice time.' And in a moment he was asleep again. May sat on the edge of the bed and pulled on a short, a pair of short leather boots, so thin and soft with age, it was a wonder they held together. Then she stood and took from the washstand beside the bed a little square-shaped object, a music box painted with roses and lilies of the valley. It was the one pretty thing she owned, and she never went anywhere without it. Her fingers strayed to the winding key on its bottom, but glancing at the sleeping tuck, she shook her head, gave the little box a pat, and dropped it into her pocket. Then, last of all, she pulled down over her ears a blue straw hat with a drooping, exhausted brim, but before she put on the hat, she brushed her gray-brown hair and wound it into a bun at the back of her neck. She did this quickly and skillfully, without a single glance in the mirror. May Tuck didn't need a mirror, though she had one propped up on the washstand. She knew very well what she would see in it. Her reflection had long since ceased to interest her. For May Tuck and her husband, and Miles and Jessie too, had all looked exactly the same for eighty-seven years.
Chapter 3 At noon of that same day in the first week of August, Winnie Foster sat on the bristly grass just inside the fence and said to the large toad who was squatting a few yards away across the road, I will, though, you'll see, maybe even first thing tomorrow while everyone's still asleep. It was hard to know whether the toad was listening or not. Certainly, Winnie had given it good reason to ignore her. She had come out to the fence very cross, very near the boiling point, on a day that was itself near to boiling, and had noticed the toad at once. It was the only living thing in sight except for a stationary cloud of hysterical gnats suspended in the heat above the road. Winnie had found some pebbles at the base of the fence, and for lack of any other way to show how she felt, had flung one at the toad. It missed altogether, as she'd fully intended it should, but she made a game of it anyway, tossing pebbles at such an angle that they passed through the gnat cloud on their way to the toad. The gnats were too frantic to notice these intrusions, however, and since every pebble missed its final mark, the toad continued to squat and grimace without so much as a twitch. Possibly it felt resentful, or perhaps it was only asleep. In either case, it gave her not a glance, when at last she ran out of pebbles and sat down to tell at her troubles. "'Look here, Toad,' she said, thrusting her arms through the bars of the fence and plucking at the weeds on the other side. "'I don't think I can stand it much longer.' At this moment a window at the front of the cottage was flung open, and a thin voice, her grandmother's, piped, "'Winifred, don't sit on that dirty grass. You'll stain your boots and stockings.' And another, firmer voice, her mother's, added, "'Come in now, Winnie. Right away. You'll get heat-stroke out there on a day like this.' "'And your lunch is ready.' "'See,' said Winnie to the toad, "'that's just what I mean. "'It's like that every minute. "'If I had a sister or a brother, "'there'd be someone else for them to watch. "'But as it is, there's only me. "'I'm tired of being looked at all the time. "'I want to be by myself for a change.' "'She leaned her forehead against the bars, "'and after a short silence went on in a thoughtful tone. "'I'm not exactly sure what I'd do, you know, "'but something interesting.' Something that's all mine. Something that would make some kind of difference in the world. It'd be nice to have a new name to start with. One that's not all worn out from being called so much. And I might even decide to have a pet. Maybe a big old toad like you that I could keep in a nice cage with lots of grass and... At this, the toad stirred and blinked. It gave a heave of muscles and plopped its heavy mud ball of a body a few inches farther away from her. "'I suppose you're right,' said Winnie. "'Then you'd be just the way I am now. "'Why should you have to be cooped up in a cage, too? "'It'd be better if I could be like you, "'out in the open and making up my own mind. "'Do you know they've hardly ever let me out of this yard all by myself? "'I'll never be able to do anything important if I stay in here like this. "'I expect I'd better run away.' "'She paused and peered anxiously at the toad "'to see how it would receive the staggering idea.' but it showed no signs of interest. "'You think I wouldn't dare, don't you?' she said accusingly. "'I will, though, you'll see. Maybe even first thing in the morning while everyone's still asleep.' "'Winnie!' came the firm voice from the window. "'All right, I'm coming!' she cried, exasperated, and then added quickly, "'I mean, I'll be right there, Mama.' She stood up, brushing at her legs where bits of itchy grass clung to her stockings. The toad, as if it saw that their interview was over, stirred again, bunched up, and bounced itself clumsily off toward the wood. Winnie watched it go. "'Hop away, toad!' she called after it. "'You'll see. Just wait till morning.' 